0: It's happening. It, it says, says live, it as
1: you are live exclamation point. So that I- must mean that we are indeed live. Thanks, Simon. hey there, folks. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. And back on February the 7th, I had the opportunity to chat with longtime Transformers fan James Hooks about a pair of Transformers fan comics he's written. Song of Jupiter, and Descent into Chaos, which is kind of a a sequel companion piece to the Transformers the movie. If you'd like to check out the video and watch the show as it originally aired during the live stream, you can find that out on my YouTube channel, and I'd encourage you to do that for a couple reasons. One... Hooks is a good-looking dude. Um, But also, when we talked about the actual comics, I did a fair amount of screen sharing as we discussed the art and the artists who participated in these incredible projects. So here on the podcast, you're going to hear some references to visual cues like, oh, wow, would you look at that? You know, a lot of, like, calling out and pointing stuff out and, and things like that. Uh, but you really should check out the video to get the full experience of that conversation as we talk about the things that I displayed and showed on the screen as we discussed it I mean this podcast is is really darn cool and and hooks is incredible to talk to but there's a few of those visual cues uh, that 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 don't quite land right and I didn't want to necessarily edit them out uh, but I would definitely encourage you to to check out out the video uh, to get kind of the the fullest uh, visual representation and experience of the conversation that we had. Now, as for the comics themselves, you can check out both Descent into Chaos and Song of Jupiter right now at tilltheday.com. That's T I L T H E D A Y.com. Uh, both issues are fully illustrated and are available to download for free. You can also browse and look at the pages on the website as well. Uh, this is a terrific project. The comics are awesome and I think you're really going to enjoy them. Um, I would also encourage you to seek out the artists involved with this project as well and support their work. Um, I will have a list of credits in the show notes and a couple links for where you can find some of their work. Um, just uh, terrific stuff and uh, go ahead and uh, support independent artists uh, where you can. Uh, but for now, let's hear from the creator and writer of these concept comics, James Hooks. Hooks and Right here on Mike Cybert Radio We're talking about a a terrific Transformers fan comics uh, Song of Jupiter and Descent into Madness And joining me right now on the Mike Cybert Radio uh, live stream Is none other than James Hooks Hooks himself, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me
0: yeah, thank you, for, thank you for inviting me. Incidentally, it's Descent Into Chaos, but I'd love Descent Into Madness. I kind of wish we ch- changed the title to that because um, things get a bit dim, D-I-M. I can't yeah. believe
1: I read that wrong. I literally have it right here in front of me. I,
0: no, I... it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I it was a bit mad to invest in a project like this. And um, I think madness is uh, very much uh, apropos for um, everything that we created, so.
1: Well, uh, uh, a little bit of background, you know, in Transformers fandom. I don't know if you've experienced this because you've been part of the Transformers Online fandom since before there was a Transformers Online fandom. There's kind of, and 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 my buddy, my buddy Anthony Bruckali, Tfu Info. If incidentally, if you're playing the Mike Seibert Radio Drinking Game, uh, I've already mentioned Ant, so you can go ahead and uh, um, take a drink. But like, he bristles a little bit when I talk about the dichotomy between the old guard of online mm. fandom and kind of like a new guard. I'm, you know, I've, I've been participating in the fandom for maybe five years tops, you know, doing, doing podcasts and things like that. But there's a group of folks like, like yourself and Aunt and several others that goes back to the Usenet days to where... I don't even know what Usenet is. So anytime when Ant talks about it on Transformers University, there, there there's a bit of not just a, a certain amount of abstractness that comes with it, but also a um, a, a depth of history that predates mm-hmm. some of us newer Transformers uh, content creators. So I
0: age and <laughs> like, ex- literally by everything, right? Um, yeah, it's interesting because Usenet was the internet before there was the internet, you know, to your point. it's It was all text. And so, you know, you had a bunch of college kids and high school kids and younger than high school kids like me who just happened to bri- uh, bribe their parents into like letting us use a, a, you know, separate dial-up line to get onto the internet and talk to strangers. And I promise they weren't like trying to like steal us or kidnap us or anything. It was just all about, you know, really connecting around these these topics that we were obsessed about, right? And the fact that, you know, and I think it was kind of mad, um, a bit of madness around, you know, (laughs) 30 years ago, you would call in to this, this forum of people that you only knew by name, email address, you didn't have a picture, and you just had to trust them that they were the people on the other side that they said they were. And you're spending hours upon hours in conversation and debate um, at a time when you can, I would say, disagree without being disagreeable, except for the yeah. occasional play more. Uh, and
1: it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it
0: was great. It was great. There is, there is this innocence to it that, um, you know, even for folks that, you know, my, you know, 13, 14-year-old self did not get along with, I honestly wouldn't have got along with my 13, 14-year-old self either. And um, I, um, you know, I, I think about those times as just really special in my life and am uh, grateful to have been a part of it.
1: Let's before we get into uh, the comics, because there's going to be a lot of material to uh, talk about there. First, I, I want to put on Front Street because I already see my my buddy Nick is uh, uh, following us on YouTube and commenting. Uh, these are independent comics. You know, not not affiliated with IDW, not affiliated with whatever the the uh, still to be announced uh, new license holder, which actually, you know, I I was I was going to go through the like, you know, tell us about yourself and, you know, the the fandom and stuff like that. But as as a a comics creator in in this space, how odd is it that the new license holder hasn't been announced yet? I've never seen anything like this.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's odd, and, and maybe it's not so odd. I think that when Dreamwave lost the license back in, what, 2004, because they were crooks, yep. um, I think IDW, like, it was announced, like, six months later. Um, I don't think there is this huge uh, time difference between Dreamwave doing what it did and then IDW being announced as a license holder. The difference was the Internet moved a lot slower back then, right? Everything was based on, uh, you know, message boards and news releases, and it wasn't this like hyper, um, you know, like I have to have the information now. And so, um, you know, it hasn't even been two months since uh, IDW has officially no longer been the license holder. And I can see a world where there's certain legal language around like you can't announce the new license holder until a period of time after the original license has expired. That said, uh, I feel like the, the comics that Honestly, it took a few years to to put together. Kind of landed at the perfect time because it was before uh, IDW announced that they lost a license, and it was actually during uh, the early days of COVID that uh, we first imagined this work. So, um, you know, it's 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 interesting how the passage of time can um, sort of betray this this sense of. Um, urgency uh, and and quickness when oftentimes things aren't as quick as we uh, remember them to be.
1: You're absolutely right I, I think as citizens of the internet in this online space we've grown impatient
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I had forgotten that it was it was that long in between uh, Dreamwave and the IDW, Thing. and and that was something where it came from like a collapse of a of, of a crooked company uh yeah. to to have the the pieces picked up by then a small but no less legitimate uh mm-hmm. company now it, it's it's a very different landscape where you know Hasbro has just chosen to find a different licensee so so Hasbro's in the driver's seat for probably for the first time in a while which yeah. is which is kind of interesting and, and, uh, uh, liberating in a, in a, in a certain way, uh, for them. So like, you know, I buried the lead a little bit and got, got a little too ahead of myself for every live stream. Every podcast is somebody's first podcast. Uh, there are a lot of folks, uh, in my audience that are, uh, meeting you for the first time. Let's talk about, uh, kind of your Transformers fandom a little bit. What were some of kind of your first experiences with Transformers and why why is it stuck with you now into into late adulthood?
0: Well, so my first experiences were, so I was born in the early eighties, uh, like many of the original Transformers fans. And my first experience was, I think even before uh, I saw an episode of the cartoon, was my sister uh, who was my sister is about 11 years older than me she is a huge comics geek i mean she was reading like claremont x-men and claremont excalibur and and she's a huge Dungeons and dragons uh, player and i remember her handing me transformers number three with spider-man and and you know with gears in it and there was something about from my recollection again we're talking about uh, ooh, close to forty years now. Um, memory, where you know there was this this like I've not seen anything like this before, and you have like these these robots, and robots are cool, and you have Spider Man, and Spider Man's cool. Um, and then I got I think I skipped issue four, and then I got issue five, and then issue six through eight, and then concurrently found out about the cartoon, and sometime around there I got uh, Shockwave, and then it just became this. Like obsession, right? Where I just had to have more and more and learn more about these these space robots and learn more about um, and, and enjoy the the adventures that they were going on. And I think the thing that really sold me was being a kid and watching the original Transformers movie, mm-hmm. um, primarily because you know other movies and other forms of entertainment did not cover the themes that the original movie did. There was death, a lot of death, a lot of violence. Yeah. Um, there was tragedy. There was a clear hero's arc. There was bright colors and there was rock and roll and there was just this sense of adventure that, um, you know, for a child, you're just like, this is incredible and scary. And I am feeling things that I never knew I could feel based on the piece of media. Now, whether it was appropriate or not for some of the imagery in, in that film as well as some of the language, that's a debate for another day. But, right. There, there is something to be said about like just the type of story at that time in life that makes you really curious and wanting to know more and also just raising the stakes to the point of like at any moment, the characters that I am falling in love with the characters that I am following, the characters I'm scared of, uh, the characters I'm rooting against at any time they could be taken completely off the board. Yeah. And, and there's some excitement to that. And, um, you know, from there, you know, like, of course, going into the comics and then, you know, all the Simon Furman stuff, you know, with the original G1 series and seeing the art from the Matrix quest all the way to the Unicron War. And then suddenly, like, speaking of death, suddenly the series ended suddenly at issue 80 and you're like, <laughs> is this it? Like, wait a minute. There's there's no more Transformers. And there's this, this lull, like, while there are still toys being made. I think for those of us who were born at a certain age and enjoying Transformers at a certain time, we start creating gaps in between, like the different stories that were told on the back of boxes and the commercials that we saw, mm-hmm. and I think that's sort of where the the beginnings of fan fiction began, right? It's it's what like how did uh, you know the Autobots get from being on Golden Age, a renewed Golden Age Cybertron, to becoming power masters and where the pretenders come from Uh, and what were the gaps there. And, you know, is there stuff out there? And you're hearing rumors, especially when you're in the early stages of the internet where getting one picture takes like six hours to download and you're hearing, oh, there's stuff in Japan and there's this whole other series going on. And I can't watch that. Like what (laughs) is this? Right. Um, And then the G2 comics come and then, you know, you see Optimus Prime with, bullets in his head and you're reading the series and again it's taking that darkness that the original movie started with and turning it up while also creating an actual good story on top mm-hmm. of it Definitely. and suddenly and there's this gap between 93 and 96 when you know and I was like my first time on the internet was prodigy um and that's where mm-hmm. I met my friend Phil and you know a few other folks uh Darcy who you know like people who We're also fans of Transformers. It was a really small club. And then it went from there to Usenet. And suddenly I'm meeting all these people. And keep in mind, I was like 12 years old at the time. (laughs) So, um, and I'm meeting all these folks who like are also into Transformers and there's nothing to fill the gaps. And it's like, well, they're writing stories, really good stories. Um, Why can't I do the same? And so I um, remember writing a story called Transformers Wars and that was like my first foray into any sort of like content creation um, where I killed a lot of our mutual friends like Ant and (laughs) (laughs) others. But, you know, it was one of those things where I I felt like I had this opportunity because there's, there's no other series that's coming out that is covering what's happening with the Transformers. So why not like take a stab at You know filling the gaps in ourselves and Mm -hmm. between like stuff that like my friend rob powers was writing or m cypher or um or bobby uh carthers or just so many people were just creating great pieces of art and um you know and it made me like want to write you know even better and then along came beast wars and like nothing could ever be better than that. So I kind of stopped writing at, at that point. Um, so, um, so, yeah, no, my, my history in transformers was from the very beginnings. And um, it is something that given a lot of the, 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 the depth and breadth of the genre and the characters and, and some of the gaps that, you know, we were filling as kids that were then um, tapping into our own imaginations to you know really create entire universes of of wonder and and imagination and you could tell truly human stories with titans of metal you know i don't think you could get anything you can't tap into magic like that in any other franchise
1: well and and the, and the cool thing about about transformers also is that it does have all of these different entry points for different people of different ages and different eras and i love that it's like you know um there was a time when i was younger and a little more precious about the things that i loved that i kind of didn't want to share them or have them be reinterpreted like i i remember and it is just so ridiculous now uh, reflecting back but like I used to have a real attitude problem about name reuse, like, mm. you know, like Beast Wars Silver Ball. I'm like, that's not Silver Bowl. Get the hell out of here with that. That's not Inferno. Get the hell mm. out of here with that. Dinobot, like singular, and that's his name. It's just, you know, I I, I was a dumb teen and I just I didn't understand the uh, the necessity for name reuse for like copyright purposes and stuff like that. And, and that even that kind of followed me through even to the live action movies, which mm. seems ridiculous now, even as, uh, as late quote unquote as, as 2007, I'm getting bent out of shape about, about name reuse. And it's just such a, such a dumb thing to get, get um, uh, fixated on. But
0: but we all have a thing, though, right? I mean, there are certain things I think that, you know, we hold true to ourselves. And, you know, there was a time I used to get bent out of shape about people getting bent out of shape about name re- uses, right? And I, th- I think there's this sense of just letting people enjoy what they like. And if they don't yeah. like it, that's okay. It's okay to like and dislike, you know, certain things. I used to, you know, get upset when people actually enjoyed Energon, you know, the series, not the... the know, the- because... <laughs> um, <laughs> doesn't exist.
1: Do, do you but, drink it? Do you eat it? Is, is, yeah. it, it, is it blood? Is it- the time in
0: I think people were probably like, thinking like I could drink Energon, um, but that's besides the point. Um, but the, the thing is like, you know, we all hold things very close and precious to us. Yeah. Certain beliefs, certain truths that I think help inform our, our view of the world or inform how we approach certain pieces of entertainment. And I think it's just about how far you take that fanaticism, uh, where as long as you know that that is your belief in the things that are sort of like the things the hills you'll die on, but you're not going to kick someone else off a different hill and kill them because they might have a different belief than you, and I think that's fine. I mean, you know, the the franchise has definitely been one of consistent name reuse, and I think I would even argue that since the very beginning when you had Shockwave, the loyal Megatron servant, and also Shockwave the the Usurber, right? You had. Yeah. You know, you had uh, Blaster, the heroic, you know, potential leader of the Autobots, and then Blaster, who's just like, wants to listen to music and chill all day. You know, and those aren't considered reuses, but the fact is that they were completely, wholly inconsistent characters from the very beginning. And I think for me, you know, what that said was, it's okay if there's inconsistency within different universes, even if they carry the same name, even if they have a similar similar look. Mm from the very beginning, there was inconsistencies. And, you know, is it the Ark? Is it Auntie? Is it just the Autobot shuttle? Um, are they, you know, Mount St. Hillary or Mount St. Helens? You know, did Optimus Prime die because of a video game in 1986? Or did was he killed by Bowel's uh, scars that he inflict, he was inflicted on by Megatron in 2005? And at least for me, what that held true was the sense of anything was possible. But as long as there's internal consistency within a certain continuity or universe, we'll roll with that
1: the thing that's fascinating to me also is the increasing complexities of the stories of the transformers. Like, you know, we, we covered it already like with regards to the movie into season three and the, the creators of the shows somehow acknowledged the passage of time. Like, you know, it, it was, I mean, we were there. So, so the perspective is a little different, but like, basically it was a brand that kind of grew up with us. So, you know, maybe the movie was maybe a little intense for folks that were seven, but, Mm -hmm. but by the time you get to season three, when you're eight or nine, you know, you, you've grown with, you know, the, you're ready for the characters from 1984 to, grow and develop and go through life. There's, there's a shocking amount of depth and life lessons in, in those first couple years that I don't know if you necessarily see now in contemporary transformers. Like I, uh, I, I recently did a, a huge live stream panel discussion about transformers earthspark. And, mm. and, and it's a terrific show and it's mm. a great entry point and, and it's perfect to enjoy your family. Just like, you know, once they put that in the ad copy, you know, stream with your family, I'm like, thumbs up, you, you nailed it. Yeah. But yeah. there's also like amount of foundation that I think, depending upon how long the show goes, that there is opportunity to build on that foundation and to grow with the audience mm. in a way that I, might not have seen for, uh, for a while. It's, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's fascinating how, how a brand can kind of grow with you. I, I resonate with the lessons and themes and characters and situations in transformers, the movie, even more so as an adult than I did as a kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you, you start to recognize uh, a bit of the adult you in that show or in that movie. In a way that you know, when you're a kid, it's like you're bright-eyed and you're scared and you're excited, but then you're like, "Hey, like, oh shit, I'm I'm getting wrinkles like Cup did." So now, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, happy. yeah, <laughs> and I am telling stories to the youngins, and I don't have kids myself, but I find myself, uh, you know, in the work that I do, oftentimes starting with stories like when I was, you know, a certain age or when I was this. This is what happened, and it's like, you know, Cup, I I, I get you, I get you, I understand you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Hot Rod, Turbo yum Young punk, Um, he is definitely somebody who uh, you resonate a little bit less with. Like you see his hero's arc and you see his journey. Um, but you get why Cup was upset with him, because sometimes when I see interns coming into the office, it's like all oh, you Turbo revving, uh you know, and Young Punks, you know, yeah. get out of the micro kitchen. I need to make my coffee because I have a bunch of, Meetings I have to get to. <laughs> so um, there's 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 certain resonance um, within you know the different characters and the archetypes that the 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 movies and the the series have created that I think allows us to just look at things with new eyes and 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 um, a fresh view on things.
1: Absolutely. So that being said, as we were uh, chatting about transformers the movie let's kind of get into the discussion a little bit about descent into chaos because uh, yeah not (laughs) madness well it is a descent into madness but in this case we're gonna we're gonna descent into uh chaos i um i remember around thanksgiving time Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh our our mutual friend aunt dms me and he just like i'm just gonna slip this under your door relevant to your interests mm-hmm. no context yeah. and i immediately see the graphic i i think there was was there a version of the cover no i'm thinking of like the internal cover anyway you had you had the transformers the movie call out on it yeah. and i was like oh because I mean, that that that's catnip for me it's like i uh over these last couple years like studio series 86 has kind of been my in back into mainline collecting. Um, And, you know, I, I, I'm buying all them super seven figures and, you Mm -hmm. know, any of that stuff that has that specific call out on it, the classic orange magenta gradient on there, because Mm -hmm. we never had toys with that specific branding on there. So it became strangely important to me. It's like, no, they like I, I remember when they when Hasbro Pulse put out like the Quintesson Pit of Judgment and mm-hmm. it says like inspired by the Transformers, the movie. And it just like it affected me in a, in a weird, odd way that I never anticipated because I'm like, oh, my God, they, they made that for me. You know, it's like, what an absurd feeling as like me as like a singular person to think it was made specifically for me, but that's how, that's how I felt. And then like, even with like the studio series 86 line and, you know, just opening it up and seeing a mainline transformer toy, getting them out of the box. It was like, there, there's a, there was a, a, still a disbelief that it's like, I'm getting transformers, the movie branded toys. I never thought this this was gonna happen. Do you remember uh, when
0: even those characters were in like impossible, right, to, to make? Like you couldn't imagine a world where you could see a screen accurate hot rod turn into a small piece of plastic that looked just like it came from the film and transformed and the vehicle mode looked just like the film. Um, the, the amount of like just brilliant engineering is is incredible. And the fact that we've gone to this point where you could go to the store and you're seeing the stuff that like, you know, five, six, seven year old, you was just like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. You can only dream of this stuff. Right.
1: Literally. In fact, we, we've come so far now we have pink hot rod. You know, I mean, I mean, how, how, how crazy is that? It's just, I mean, again, it's, it's literally beyond your wildest imagination. It's just, I, I just, I, I never would have thought it. So, so, Aunt sends me the link to your website and he's like my buddy hooks uh uh, wrote this i think you're gonna like it and um he was not wrong now full disclosure there 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 are folks in in the fandom and sometimes like of Ants era folks i've wanted to reach out to and you're certainly on that list like i i i love what you put out on on twitter and and you're a guy that i've i've always wanted a reason to reach out to because like a lot of the ways that I do my interviews in these types of shows, it's like, I I need like a thing to talk about. Yeah. you know you know what i mean it's like it, it's it, it comes from my 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 college radio background where it's like you know my content was like interviews for promotion oh you have a new tour great come on my show you got a new ep coming out great come on my show so yeah. it's always i need like that that little nugget of uh of content cuz folks will ask me well hey why don't you talk to this person why don't you talk to that person i'll get there i'll get there <laughs> and uh and anyway now now we're here but i i i really dug Descent into chaos. And it it does, it does some really cool stuff. That's a sequel to the movie that's different from the sequels to the movie that we got. Mm -hmm. But then as time passed, I don't remember when, oh, it was just recently uh, back here in January. Then I see Song of Jupiter drop and it's like, okay, all right. God damn it. I, I'm reaching out and uh, I, I got, I got to get hooks on the show and we gotta, we gotta talk about all this. And now retroactively, I'm kind of uh, regretful that I didn't reach out to you before song of Jupiter came out so I can have you on twice. But that, but that, that that's just me over litigating.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm just honestly grateful for the opportunity to chat with you. I mean, this is obviously stuff that I get excited about and um, you know, the level of investment just as a fan, in creating any piece of art regardless of how people receive it um there's there's a lot of a lot of joy in that and um the fact that you know folks like you like resonate with it so much uh, means the universe to me more than i can even express
1: so what i'm going to do is i i'm going to pull up a screen share and you know we're we're not going to go through it you know page by page and, and give away the whole story, but I, I feel compulsion. The compulsion sense this also is a live video stream to kind of kind of give folks a little bit of a you know visual representation of what we're chatting about here. So um, this is on. Uh, your website uh, tilltheday.com dot It is a downloadable uh, PDF, as well as uh, being able to scroll through and actually just read the comic there. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's right there. Uh, the Transformers: The Movie, uh, Descent into Chaos, and one of the things that that I I um, immediately got my attention because that that was the uh, the attention grabbing page for me. Before we get into some of the other cool stuff that you've done with this, like you've got, you know, suggested Spotify songs and music, as well as some casting. Could you talk about kind of the origin of this project and why one, why a different sequel to transformers, the movie. And then from there, kind of how this story kind of, kind of not, knocked loose in your mind
0: yeah so there was just something in me for a number of years that wanted to create uh, i would call it pure and adulterated fan fiction right where it's just like what if there was this unlimited budget of like creating the perfect companion to the original movie Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and i wanted to create something that had the chaotic energy of the 1986 film right yeah yeah you I felt like, OK, like because if you can't do like a, a side story or a companion to the movie without trying to recreate some of those visceral feelings when you first watched it. Right. The, the like, oh, I, I see my heroes. Oh, my heroes are killed. Who's this villain? And it's like the stakes are super high. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, just as a fan, fill in the blanks of what happened to certain characters and, and certain set pieces from the series, right? So when I think about the arc, right, even though it wasn't called the Ark, uh, the Autobot base, you know, why was there so much attention on Autobot City in the film? Why was the arc heavily fortified in season three when Trypticon attacked it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt like there was a story there. There was something there. But then the other thing that uh, really drew my attention was, you know, season one was all about, like, the creation and the utilization of the space bridge. It was something that I think the the show, like, was so focused on, and then it was just taken away from us. Yeah. And there's, you know, not to give too much of the story away, but there was this sense of, like, was the space bridge important enough for it to be a target? Because I think that would have been... Um, you know, given that the Decepticons had to hijack the Autobot shuttle to get to Earth, when before they had a clear, connective piece between Earth and Cybertron, so why did they have to hijack uh, and uh, you know assassinate a crew of Autobots when they could have just gone there in the first place? Um, and then there are a lot of characters I felt that, you know, weren't given the attention or love or the investment or even the closure that they deserved. Like I think about Alita One. Yeah. Uh, season two, it's like she is Optimus Prime's sister slash partner. Um, why wasn't she given more of a spotlight? Hell, why wasn't she treated as um, the next leader of the Autobots? What if we gave her a spotlight as the leader of this crew of Autobots? Um, I think about Skyfire, who was a you know reformed Decepticon, uh, and in a movie that. Um, it's all about like these high stakes. Why was this character who was the bridge between these two deeply hated factions, like why did he disappear? Um, Obviously Snarl, Uh, there's just like the big question mark over like, and obviously it's like animation error or, or, you know, translation between script and, and, and film, but why did he suddenly appear after the battle was over? How come there are only four Dinobots that jumped out of the shuttle and then like Snarl was there for a bit like, what was he doing during that time? And that's actually right. something to focus on in the future. But I think the thing that really, truly bothered me beyond wanting to sort of fill in the gaps and, and maybe even creating visuals of deleted scenes or even expanding on what um, Bob Budiansky and Don Figueroa put together for the adaptation of uh, the, the original movie for IDW, when they had like the combiners um, outside of the arc.
1: Yeah. I think that
0: bothered me ever since I was a kid was when rc is pulling in when uh wind charger's dying body and his eyes are flickering and she is dragging him and then she lays him down and there is Wheeljack dead yeah like the main character of the first two seasons one of the most memorable silhouettes and in the ears and like yeah this makes me sound like someone who has never ever ever uh like deeply, inv- that's like, oh, the guy with the cool voice, guy with the cool ears. But the fact is that his death, can we curse on the show?
1: Yes, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, just let it go. <laughs>
0: his death was bullshit. I'm just gonna call.
1: <laughs> The fact
0: that the, the, the engineer did not have any plans for, like any contingency plans for his death just really bothered me. And Will Jack, at least the Will Jack I know, would make it so that he would never ever ever die and maybe that's just like me like reading into like certain scenes and certain bits from the first couple of seasons and and from the comic but what if Will jack that wasn't will jack who died and i think there's enough there to like create just this extra level of mystique around what will jack would do in a situation when he knows the protection of autobot city and potentially the protection of the ark is tantamount to their survival.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why would he just happen to be in the missile room? That would be an easy target for the Decepticons.
1: Yeah, it's like why why was he even there to begin with? That that right. kind of that kind of energy. Right. I was frantically mm-hmm. scrolling through the PDF. So I yeah. I mean I I love this composition so much. So that is
0: all thanks to Phil Not. Phil Not is a joy to work with. When I was thinking about who would be the best partner to bring a new version of the movie to life. The guy who, like, I feel like the, the movie was his his parent, you know, his his uh, binary, um, you know, non-gendered parent who just birthed him into existence to draw all the things that you could imagine as a fan. And he is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Phenomenal.
1: Well, and, and his art has such a cool, exotic texture to it. It's yeah. like, it, it's not necessarily like the the don figueroa uh you know kind of like guido guidi tra- traditional transformers art it has that it has that that bendy floridary texture yes. to it and yes. and and and, it, and it's perfect for a companion piece to transformers the movie it's even got like a studio ox feel to it oh yeah as well you know like some of like that that crazy exotic box art and mm-hmm. and some like some of that 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 manga and that anime it's just like and it's all kind of like distilled down into this mm-hmm. clean style that oh um God. i mean it's i mean i i i get the chills just thinking about it and looking at it i mean it's just like,
0: if you go to the page where you first see superior on and Defensor, and you just see how they are standing in front of omega supreme I think yeah like, yeah like when he sent that to me I was like, okay, yeah, this was look at that. worth all the blood. I mean, look at that! Like, and I just like I, I imagine like Vince DiCulla's voice, like it is the year two thousand and five, and then like just riffing on that, and then you see this reveal of the arc and like the way he put that together. It's yeah. oh, oh, Phil is brilliant and deserves mm-hmm. all the money and all the coins and all the flowers that anyone could give him because. He is he is an absolute lovely man, and um, yeah, I, I I deeply deeply appreciate him.
1: So, how would you guys get hooked up?
0: Uh, we were following each other on Twitter for a bit, um, and I I was like just thinking about what is the best artist for this work, and you know, I I had seen his art, and I was I actually reached out to him, and my question was. This is completely random, but do you take commissions? <laughs> yeah. uh, it was just like sort of like this. Like I love your art. Like, and I, I felt a little bit nervous actually reaching out to him. And I don't typically get like fanboyish about people um, because you know we all have uh, you know the sense of greatness within each of us. And um, at the same time, I was like, I, I have seen his art. I am like subscribed to his uh, his coffee site and. I, I just wanted to work with him. And so I, I reached out and he was like, yeah, um, great. Can you, you know, send me something? So I sent him the first few pages up until when Overdrive escapes from the Decepticon shuttle. And you know, after a couple of months, you know, he, he sent me the first seven pages of this, the, the, the book and I was just blown away, absolutely blown away. And I just knew like, okay, we have to continue working together. You know, so we finished up this first book. He did some work for Song of Jupiter. And there's, there's actually, I'm actually looking at a page of his right now. Um, so to say that there's more to come from from Phil and from myself, uh, I think is, you know, I, I could just say it. We're going to be working together for a while. <laughs> Here's just a quick sneak of, you know, Star Saber and Perceptor and the Wheel Jacks.
1: Oh man, that is so cool! What what a cool tease! I love it, and yeah. So I mean that that style is particularly conducive for the for the Japanese characters, specifically uh, Star Saber. I, I I can't wait for that. That that is that's just going to be super rad.
0: I mean, you want to talk about the Japanese characters? Let's say go. Perfect. I mean, I mean, come on, come on, he he pours every ounce into every single pixel mm-hmm. it, is, it is so cool to look at. It is so cool to, to just see all the great, great work that he does.
1: Yeah. And just so, you know, richly detailed and, and uh, all that. It's just, it's, it, it's a really cool project. Um, you know, you know, congratulations to, to you and Phil um, on, uh, on your success on getting it out there. So, I, I know uh, a couple folks that have done like fan art and zines and uh, fan comics and things like that. What was your motivation for presenting it this way? Like as like on a, on a website that you can download a PDF and, and be able to, to look at the, uh, at the fully illustrated art. How, how did that aspect of it come to be?
0: You know, I've had the the fortune to, like, not have to do this for a living. And I feel like if I was going to create something that is, number one, fully unsanctioned by Hasbro and Takara, and you know, um, and number two is a work um, just of love for the franchise. I wanted to make it available to as many people as possible without having to pay a dime for it. To me, it was just my expression of not just love for the franchise but for my love of all the friends that have become like family to me and um and for folks who you know might want just something a little different than they were getting from you know idw at the time and then of course you know they lost the license but it, it was work that i was just wanting to put out into the world and just, you know, if one person read it and liked it, then I feel like I did my job.
1: Well, well, cool. Mission accomplished. I liked it quite a bit.
0: <laughs> my one person. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. I know. You know, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, so I just want to make it clear for, if there's any questions, the, every single artist was, uh, was paid. So I paid mm-hmm. every single person, both with this project and with the uh, song of Jupiter. Um, And I basically have acted as a semi-publisher of of, of fan art. Um, And, but I also want, so I want to make sure the artists and the creators were taken care of, but I also wanted to make sure that for fans who wanted to enjoy the work of these artists, number one, that they were fully credited and and paid for and taken care of, but Mm -hmm. number two, that they had access to it and that, you know, I wasn't going to receive a single dime from it because it's just... It, it, I, I didn't do this for any sort of recognition. I even thought about for a moment, like not even including my name on this yeah, work. Yeah, sure, sure. And just saying, like, let's just give like all the love to the artists, and that's why I also made sure that for like anytime I talk about this project, it's it's we, it's not me. Yeah. it's truly we, and wanting to highlight every single person from you know the cover artist to the you know Paulo and and Phil. Um, as the main story artist to Leandro and Carlos uh, Trigo as uh, backup artist and then all the colorists and and the the um, Victor who did the logo. And mm-hmm. even the guy I worked with for like a short time to do the lettering and then he dropped out, Tim. Um, and I don't mind him because he was probably like, I'm not spending my time doing this fan work. I have bigger stuff to yeah. yeah, to yeah. I ended up doing the lettering myself. But I'm like also like, hey Tim, like you started the lettering work and you inspired me to like continue on this lettering journey for myself. So there's this uh, Tiny Desk video with Usher where he says, like, life is a collaborative effort. And I I truly believe that, and same with this work. It's truly collaborative, and I don't think anyone would have even given it any attention had I not allowed the artist to, um, to bring it to life and to believe in my vision for this work
1: you know that that's one of my favorite things to do on this podcast is is spotlight independent artists and put something on a on a platform that you know it might not have gotten the recognition otherwise so so i'm hoping that through this video and through finding the books and again you can you can check out both of the comics at uh, at the website tilltheday.com. you can get Descent into uh, Chaos as well as uh, Song of Jupiter there for uh, for the freeze. But yeah, okay. it, you know, find find these artists, follow them, uh, commi- commission them. You know. Yes. It, yeah, and and that's the thing too. I I I don't I don't want to bring up too much Twitter drama, but like talking about like commissioning artists, just I don't know if you saw this in your feed, but like there there was uh, some discourse about some people saying like artists need to start charging less for commissions or some shit. No, like that it more. It's I, worth
0: I mean, they, yes, People cards double, triple the rates, and people need to pay for them for it. Yes, yeah, and,
1: and P- stop trying to pay in exposure bucks. You know, no, no,
0: no. artists are, are underpaid as it is. Yes. Honestly, artists are underpaid. The work that they do is often treated as freeware, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, artists put their heart and soul into everything they do. And when they get paid, it could be life changing for them. And yeah. the, this notion that and I did not see this drama. Um, I mean, Twitter is full of drama as it is. That's so sure. whatever. Uh, especially since you know who took over, um, and by the way, just for like I used to work at Twitter years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I am um, deeply disappointed in what's happened to that that side in that company. But that's another story for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but just this this notion that artists should be paid less um, is 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 just like Will Jack's death was bullshit. I think that is bullshit, and people need to shut up about. Yep paying them less because they deserve far more than they receive. Absolutely. They are the the modern storytellers that, yeah. that entertain us. And, you know, even like when I look at companies and studios like the mouse and other folks who are underpaying, you know, their creators, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking.
1: It's deeply disappointing when the creative arts become a commodity Yeah, and, and, and a undervalued commodity at that yeah so yeah so so commission independent artists commission fan artists buy their stuff uh but but at the very (laughs) least uh, yeah i was gonna say it's like you know uh uh, social shares don't cost nothing right you know uh you know uh, followings and and support and things like that that that's nothing Um, so, uh, so I, I really want to get into a song of Jupiter because it's, it it is such a, a different Project than mm-hmm. uh, Descent into Chaos is, but before uh, before we get into that to kind of uh, cap off uh, Descent into Chaos. So one of the things that, that that really stuck out to me that I thought was was really cool was this uh, fan casting um, that you did, and I thought since since we were here, uh, what what a what a really creative uh, spin on that. Could you talk about some of your motivations for, for your choices? Cause there, there are some that are very obvious, but there are others that uh, there are delightfully surprising. (laughs) Well,
0: let me just start off with sort of like my thinking around this project. So I struggled a lot with the soundtrack, I will tell you. Um, And part of it was, I did not want to just recreate the, um, the soundtrack from the original movie. And it was like, if this was truly a companion um, film uh, and done with the spirit of this is going to, like, you know, transform your universe, um, you know, as a kid, it's like, what was the like, the popular uh, music of the time? And then I had like seven, eight different songs for, you know, these first 37 pages or whatever. And I realized like, it just didn't flow well. And so I'm like, okay, let's let's tie back into Stan, Stan Bush. Um, let's add like, you know, a different song, but let's also like tie something into the, the film. And, you know, I, I, was thinking, okay, you, you see overdrive in the shuttle and he's taking off from the Decepticons. And then you just like hear similar to when Lithon was destroyed, mm-hmm. then you just hear the original Transformers theme, like, doo, 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 doo. and I'm just like, okay, this is great. But I feel like you can't have the intro of the Transformers movie without a cast. When you see, like Judd Nelson and, and Leonard Nimoy, and so I was just thinking, like, who were the voice artists and and the actors um, of the time who would be just really cool to to to, to see on screen, and sort of what was that, like the permission that I would give myself to also like just be innovative, like, and different with the cast, right? So, um, you know, I had like Skyfire's you know original actor and. Sure. I had one of Elita One's, uh, you know, actors. And, um, but then I was thinking, okay, so there's some stunt celebrity casting in the original movie, yes. right? So, okay, like who was big at the time? Judd Nelson was obviously a huge get. Eric Idle was a huge get. Leonard Nimoy was a huge get. In 1986, Eddie Murphy would have been a huge get. And so why not have him be world? You know, world like, and I, I didn't give world Eddie Murphy's voice when I wrote it, but when I reread the comic thinking Eddie Murphy's voice, I was like, okay, this is the guy, right? When I think about like Molly Ringwald, um, and I, I changed Bumper's uh, gender simply because there were simply not enough women Transformers, right? It, and I, I hated that, you know, they were treated as sort of like this other thing. And there are yeah. other from the very beginning like like Shockwave. Yep. Do you know Autobots? Like no, like no, it's like and that's where GoBots actually got things right because yeah. from the very beginning, you know, there's Crasher.
1: Yeah, Crasher is oh. right there, you know, part of like the command structure and and yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, you know, I was like Bumber hasn't ever was never in the series. So let's just change uh their gender. Yeah. And um Molly Ringwald would be a great you know and and i was thinking you know molly Ringwald as sort of like the the opposite of judd nelson because you know there is a descend to chaos two and three that may or may not see the light of day you know if um you know there's a new publisher i don't want to compete with you know big publisher with you know myself so we'll see what happens but um there is an arc that i have for bumper that's sort of hinted by the cover Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that you can sort of tell, like, you know, she will go on her own hero's journey um, throughout the series. Uh, Does that mean Alita One's going to die? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is Bumper is holding the sword on the very cover of Descend to Chaos number one. Mm -hmm. And it happens to look a lot like the sword that Rodimus Prime came with with his toy a couple years ago. Um, That was also in Regeneration One by IDW. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, draw your own conclusions. It happens to be glowing you know and there is a reason that straxus uh attacked the ark and it may be for the space bridge it might be for something else so i'll just leave that you know as sort of like a tease for what i have planned
1: i love it that's awesome so yeah you know and and uh uh grace jones as slipstream oh. it's like i mean oh, brilliant and, yeah. and, and of course uh very appropriate for the era yeah
0: absolutely now uh slipstream i have huge plans for both in this and song of jupiter Uh there may be some connective tissue between the two should i be able to complete both stories by art you know like the stories are written but you know if i was able to complete them um in terms of the art being produced but in my mind you know we often see like the big villains like your your megatron galvatron is shockwave star screams straxus and I feel like Slipstream is a character that could become the next big Transformers uh, antagonist. Um, someone who definitely has a, a hunger for power and is willing to take whatever risk on herself in order to achieve that power because she believes truly that she is a much smarter, much better leader than, you know, better than is better than Megatron, certainly. Uh, better than Tarn.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, were my dreams to come true? uh, You would sort of see like her arc in both books come to fruition in a way that I would love folks to then look at her through a different lens, because I think we've seen bits of it throughout the franchise. Um, But to actually invest in creating a a Grace Jones voice villain of the ages has long been a dream of mine. So That,
1: that that would that would just be amazing. God, I just I I can't I can't stop looking at Phil's uh, art here. Wow. It, it is yeah. it is just um, uh, so incredible. Um, so you cast Keith David as uh, as which which is, which is yeah. perfect. How um, unrelated? How uh, how do you feel about the uh, casting of Keith David as uh, Grimlock in Earthspark coming up?
0: I am so looking forward to it. Um, in my friends' uh, Discord channel, I was like, we need more David in our lives. And just the, the idea of that voice in Grimlock, mm-hmm. why didn't he voice Grimlock 10 years ago?
1: Right. right.
0: I mean, it is a perfect match. And I would even argue, why isn't, you know, Grimlock for the live action series, had he been given a personality? He, well, they yeah. should have been the voice of Grimlock there. I mean... It's it's a perfect match made in heaven, and you know all love for for uh, Greg Berger, but um, of course there there's there's this gravitas, this this you know I can like I, I wish I could do Keith <laughs> David you know, the level of like you know me Grimlock and crush you if I wanted to, but I choose not to because I am
1: voiced by Keith David.
0: You know I don't know um, there there's something in that that um, it's just brilliant, brilliant casting, absolutely.
1: A hundred percent agree. And I think also in addition to the gravitas, there, there's also a fun to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there, wow. there's, there's any number of roles where Keith David is just delightfully unhinged mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. you need a little bit of a, uh, a little left of sanity for, yeah. uh, for Grimlock there. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm really excited for that casting i think that's that's going to be great i mean yeah. again earth spark is just hitting it out of the park i mean if it, 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 i did not expect it to resonate with me as deeply as it has but it's like there's a lot of meat on this bone for this children's show
0: you know a lot of people say like transformers prime is a spiritual successor to beast wars i would actually argue that earth spark is
1: mm-hmm.
0: um just the 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 time that's taking to build the characters the level of care, the the mythos that has been untold, um that will eventually reveal itself. Uh there is so much depth in there and mm-hmm. I cannot wait to to like watch more. Um yeah, it, it, it is the show where I a kid, I it would be my Beast Wars.
1: Yeah. And, and much like with Beast Wars and much like with G1, I think Earthspark has the opportunity to age with its audience. Yeah. And and what a cool journey to be on.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's, yeah. And just, you know, the, the relative risk that they're taking, you know, when I think about myself as a kid and when I looked at the human characters, none of them looked like me. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, again, even though I'm not a parent myself, I'm just thinking how cool it is for, for you know, folks who look like me, who have kids, or even the kids that look like m- my sister and me, you know, when we were young, um, to now have these human characters look up to. Mm-hmm. It's just so, so awesome to have that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that both, uh, you know, the, the representation is being done with respect and not just the, you know the racial representation, right. but the gender representation as well, yeah. Yeah. and 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 the non-binary representation. It, it's you know for for a series like Transformers, where characters can be anything they wish to be, whether they like scan a form or they're reborn into something. You know the notion that you know gender, uh, you know, is, is such a debate, and it really shouldn't be. Not with these characters. I mean, yeah. you'll notice. In Song of Jupiter, um, it, it's, it's something that I, I didn't want to call out too heavily because um, I just felt like, you know, for he, his and she, her, uh, it's, those aren't called heavily. So for R.C., you'll notice that their their pronouns are they, them
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: septicons respect them enough to <laughs> use uh, yeah. they pronouns for R.C., Um, but I don't call it out specifically because that's, that just happens to be who RC is, um, in the series. And, um, you know, that was important to me to, you know, make sure that there's, you know, uh, an equal level of representation, um, across the board. Like I, I did not want there to be, uh, you know, this heavily male centered, you know, species of robots that, you know, and I even played with like, what if every single character in song of Jupiter went by they, them, Mm -hmm. um. But I, I, you know, reverse that, that said, um, you know, it's to see it in official media like Earthspark is, is phenomenal. And to not be treated as a big deal whatsoever, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I I talked about this on uh, our Earthspark episode, but I, I think one of, one of the, a, a cool side effect of uh nightshade being a, a character in Earthspark is that it inspired a new short pact you know mm-hmm. it, it was it was cool to see walkie kind of like return to that Yes. and and just I mean what what a perfect thing at a, at a perfect time
0: you know um walkie doesn't talk about this much but you know we used to play in the sandbox together as kids uh <laughs> that's a story for another day
1: okay. <laughs> gotcha well well that being said so since since we had kind of laid a lot of the track for it already let's kind of get into uh a uh, song of jupiter because a- as we talked about before it's a different feel than descent into chaos um it- it's an anthology there's there's short stories there's a bunch more artists um so kind of kind of the the uh, pardon the redundancy, but let's kind of go through kind of some of the same process. How did, how did this project come together, especially kind of coming off of the heels of uh descent into chaos?
0: Yeah. So I actually wrote both projects at the same time, um, but I wanted to take a different approach with both. Um, in my mind, you know, I was thinking, what if I was given full reigns for the license of transformers, um, and was able to like build something new, but familiar with it. Right. You know, I sort of taking a legacy approach to the storytelling. Um, quite frankly, if I had the license, I would likely be an all new series with all new characters, new designs, new origins, brand sure. new universe. Um, but at the end of the day, I am borrowing toys that I don't own. <laughs> so, um, at most what we could do is provide a, a new lens to the questions that, you know, in many ways have stuck with me for years as a fan. And also, Wanting to do something like completely new that would potentially bring new people into the series and into the franchise. So um, one of the questions I had was like, I think about Optimus Prime in the original series and, you know, why was he worthy of resurrection when Ironhide and Prowl and others weren't? Um, and what if there is an opportunity to bring these characters back who seem to have fairly final deaths in the cartoon mm-hmm. um, and put them into new settings? And then speaking of Optimus Prime, you know, I, I also was thinking about how when the last line of the return of Optimus Prime part one, Sky Lynx is like, it's true, our leader is back. And then Prime's like, yes, Sky Lynx, And now no force in the universe could stop me. It's like, why are those your first lines? You just kind of came back to life. And you're essentially threatening the universe. Who are you? Yeah. And so, like, it was... And I noticed that Prime's character actually changed a bit after that. Like, he wasn't the same character. And oftentimes people use the movie as, like, this, like, oh, he's a character with gravitas. And, you know, I, I think the moment forced Prime to act a certain way in the film. Yeah. But when you look at season one or two, like, that's not who he was, Right. right. But then suddenly his character is different and he is plagued by Vector Sigma and the Matrix and the Rebirth and um, he had to empty the Matrix um, at that moment in time in order to stop a plague. But and I feel like there's more meat there that we could pull on. And while we don't necessarily chew on that a lot in the story, mm-hmm. there's hints of that, of where I'm going with um, Optimus Prime as a character It's um, sort of like bringing him back to like true basics in a way that might not seem very obvious or maybe it was a little bit too obvious based on the end of the story. And and like, those are like some of the things that that bothered me as a kid. But then the other thing was, you know, there's all these Transformers crossovers. So you have your GI Joes, you had My Little Pony.
1: Sure.
0: You had Visionaries, you had Star Trek. What else was there? Ghostbusters.
1: Back to the Future. You know, all, yeah. Back yeah. to the Future. Yeah. Top Gun. Without
0: giving away the end of the story, for those who haven't read it, there's a specific franchise, particularly two franchises, that it astonished me that had never crossed over with Transformers officially before. Oh, And I was like, okay, if I'm going to create something new, but tied into the past, let's really tie into the past. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is a subtitle for the four books that would make up song of Jupiter that, you know, you see the last few pages, I think becomes obvious, but um, just say transformers versus, and then fill in the blank. And then that is where the rest of the story after this book
1: would take place. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I mean, I, I, I love everything about this. I, I love that all of the art styles are different enough to stand on their own, but still comprehensive to where it, um, it it all ties in together, everything belongs together. It feels like, and and that's that's kind of the mark of a a good anthology. So I I, w- I was stuck on the on this page because I I just I love this on ramping that you're doing here. It's like you know it was the year two thousand five. After millions of years, the great wars of Cybertron end, but at a cost. Optimus Prime, the magnanimous leader of the Autobots, was dead. It was the year twenty ten. Prime is resurrected. Then we start getting into unfamiliar territory. It was the year 2030 in a time of the great peace. A question is asked of Autobot philosophers and scientists. If prime can return from the great beyond, why can't anyone else? Then it is the year 2050. We now return to the transformers. I just, I I love that. That that's just like such, I mean, like you can hear it. And it's, uh, it, it's just so, um, such terrific world building. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it gives you everything you need right off the bat. But yeah, just uh, um, scrolling through this, it, it's just, I, I found it just a whole lot of fun. So let me go, I'm going to scroll down a little bit uh, further here. I don't want to go too far because there, there there's a... Spot towards the end that mm-hmm. um, that I don't want to necessarily spoil for folks here, but it was one of those things where it's uh, certain characters from other universes come in, and mm-hmm. then there's a there's a a a bit of peril and a surprising return in an unexpected way, and I was I was just I was just gobbling it all up. I just I oh. I, I I was really. Into um, uh, again the the story and what you guys were doing here. Thank you. Uh, very similar to when we were talking about your collaboration and partnership with Phil, talk about some of the uh, artists and collaborators that you worked on, on uh, Song of Jupiter, because like it is, it is a lengthy list and and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of really cool folks. So I'm just gonna leave it on the awesome. credits page yeah. here. Um, that, yeah. that way folks uh, can see and and I'll, uh, I'll try as best as I can to have some of this stuff in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. You know, so folks can follow all of these folks out on at, out on socials and check out their stuff. Cause it, it's just, it, it's terrific work. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough.
0: Thank you. Well, let, let's start with Paulo. Paulo is the main artist of the story. He is the the foundation. He is my, my collaborator. We're talking about doing something creator owned uh, next together, which, you know, it's going to be a long project, but I'm hoping we're able to do something really special with that. But um, Paulo is, you know, he's a trained artist. He's from Brazil. Um, and I actually went on the subreddit, Comic Book Collabs, mm. uh, to, to find him. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to do something new but familiar with this, this franchise, I would want to work with an artist who is like a classic comic book artist, but who has not done Transformers before. And we started off, we actually started off with one page and then it turned to 10 pages because I didn't know how big this could be, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had huge dreams and ideas and when i got the first page from him and i should show you his pencils but when i got his pencils and then his inks and i saw that first page optimus prime you know hands on his hips looking out at new cybertron and then the progression of you know the history of what's happening in the universe um i was like oh my god i got his first page cuz i have the date here may 15 2020
1: Oh, wow. That far back.
0: That far back. And so I saw this and I'm like, this is better than I could have imagined. Oh,
1: that's so clean, dude. So tight. So tight. And he had never done Transformers
0: before. And the fact that he had never done Transformers, but he spent time studying the characters, the franchise, and he has a clean eye for storytelling. It was incredible. And then the next pages came in and... You know, I'm looking at like this page with, you know, Jazz and Galaxy Shuttle and Hot Rod and RC just going at it with with uh, the enemy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, OK, like you can you can do so much. And so it was at that point, I'm like, we're going to take this all the way. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Just tell the story. You know, he was just somebody that I admire as an artist, as a creator. Um, and he gave feedback. Cause like, I am not a professional comic book writer, you know? So he would say like, what if we just put like this panel on this next page or uh, what if we expanded this into a double page spread? And, you know, he was someone who like, he said he learned a lot from me, but quite frankly, I learned a ton from him about comic book storytelling mm-hmm. that makes me want to do it more and more and more. And, um, I, um, I, I really appreciate him as a collaborator. So, um, and the fact that he did, what, like 80, 81 pages, 85 pages, including double page spreads uh, for this, you know, this fan project, you know, is just incredible. I, I could do nothing but thank pa- Paulo for his collaboration on all of this. And then, like, if we're talking about, like, just the main story to start sure. with. Yeah, yeah. first, right. Like, Giuliano did the first 20 pages and I have never seen anyone like bring such an animated feel to art. Like it was like incredible. Like Gi- Giuliano is I Paulo actually recommended Giuliano to me because I was like, I don't know any artist, any colorist mm-hmm. uh, who have you worked with, who who do you like? And he is like, like Giuliano. And like you go go back up to um with the when the Autobots enter the satellite, like look at that. Like look yeah. how everything just pops and it has this Like animated movie feel to it. And um, like, he, like, I see this, I could just stare at this all day. Yeah. Like, I could hear the action, the posing, the composition, the heat of the battle, literally. (laughs) I mean, it is is so great. It is so great. And then, you know, we scroll down to um, go to the Grimlock page. Sure. Come on. Oh. Come on. Paulo and Jewel. Ju- like I had this vision in my head, and they made my vision my dreams turn into like just garbage because they're that what they put together trumps anything I could have imagined. I mean, look at that. Look at that. It's it's beautiful.
1: Well, and the thing that I like about this project as well, and and their sensibilities, is that they're they're taking liberties with the character designs. Yeah, you know, it's it's not quite any particular toy, but it's kind of like all the toys. It's not yeah. exactly the comic model. It's it's delightfully on off model, is is what I'm trying to say. But still, oh, very evocative. Like yeah. you know, Actually,
0: I told them go go nuts. Yeah. I, I'm not married to any specific model. Whatever it is that you are drawing your own attention to, whatever it is that you are energized by, please lean into that. And um, there's something about giving artists the freedom to to create with um, what they know they are strong at. I I'm, I'm a fan of doing that, and yeah. it creates its own like design language within the book, right? Because um, they're creating their own silhouettes and creating their own characters, and like you're feeling the differences between like this Grimlock versus other Grimlocks you have seen in the past.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Man. So cool. I uh, like you. I I could just, I could just stare at this all, all day long. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I love the character designs. The, the action is just so, kinetic it is it is just uh, terrific but as as we're scrolling through here uh folks might have seen as we're as we're watching um on the video um a couple things you you have um interstitial text as mm-hmm. well why uh why make that choice
0: so i'm a huge fan of jonathan hickman ah okay i don't know if you've read his x-men work but he's i mean he's done this with other like some of his creator own stuff as well. Yeah. There was something that like I loved about it from a storytelling point of view, particularly given we have the well-established Teletran one, Teletran two. So let's like give Teletran the opportunity to tell like a bit of history in between the gaps, to fill the gaps a bit, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and there's
0: also like, this other like thread that we talk about the Teletrans um, later. But um, I just thought it'd be cool to like have Teletran be a part of the story and taking an inspiration from the work Jonathan Hickman did and integrate that into a Transformer story.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's very cool. And and it's something that that makes it stand out. So you've also uh, commissioned a number of of different covers for yeah. this project as well do we want to talk about uh some of the uh awesome cover artists that uh they oh work yes. with on this
0: so i think you have to scroll down to like page 100 and what to go to the cover art um but I, I had actually originally originally thought like wouldn't it be cool to um print out or not print out um, um but scroll down one more um, yeah. although i will say I, I do um, love the corner boxes though. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the original idea was, you know, let's create like a series. Like I was actually envisioning like a 12 part maxi series, right? Mm-hmm. Of, you know, just shipping things quarterly and having like different cover art for, for each issue and actually having varying art for each issue as well. And so I commissioned a number of artists to um, just like put their spin on different parts of the story. Let's talk about Diego for a second. Sure, I commissioned him back when only like a few pages of the story were uh, drawn by Paulo, and I you know gave him a, the overview for. It. And it was actually a time when um, I actually had the Autobot clones instead of Strongarm and um, Override as um, as characters, and then I decided to, to switch it to those two. Um, and so like I, I had him, you know, he created like four different things. Turns out he was a long term fan. Um, I guess we interacted, weirdly enough, back in the Usenet days. Oh, get Um, out of here. Is this the same, like, are you, like, subsector hooks? And subsector hooks, by the way, was something that Megatron said in Season 2 of Beast Wars uh, as a reference to me. Yep. Um, Which is weird to say out loud. By the way, I don't think I've ever said that out loud in my life. It's been (laughs) sort of like you type it. But (laughs) so, um, and he brought that up. And if you look in the, like, bottom left corner, you'll see 2020 with his signature. So the fact that, you know, three years ago. We produce this is great, but he was, he is somebody who is an absolute like hardcore fan from the old days. And when he put this together he he said he was like watching the movie and listening to the soundtrack. And I see this, I'm just like, this is a perfect piece of Transformers art. This is like, like this is the beginnings of a whole universe when you see this. And it makes me just like want to know what adventures these characters are going to go on for whatever period of time we get to, experience it with them you know Diego was was phenomenal um and I wish we could um work more together but he's he's doing an awesome self-published comic um I I highly recommend uh everyone check it out it's great and uh yeah I I know you'll link to it in 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 the video so absolutely
1: yeah
0: so there's him and then um you know card studio they put together this freaking awesome image of Optimus Prime I wanted something where you know, he is standing like a statue with like two different weapons that he is known for in different universes. And yeah. I saw this come and I just, I, um, like, I, I felt like I was looking at a visual image of the the real Optimus Prime coming. Yeah. Out. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's tremendous and it's scary and it's, 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 I don't use Epic a lot, but I feel like it's an Epic image of, uh, the kind of story we're going to tell about mm-hmm. Optimus in all his different forms.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, like especially <laughs> since he has the uh, uh, the Age of Extinction sword and mm-hmm. all that. So yeah, it's it's very much like like some of the other pieces we saw. It's kind of like a, a amalgam of mm. all these kind of like different Evergreen Optimuses kind of put together. Yeah, it's it's, it's really cool. I mean, again, it invokes the silhouette, but it's not tied to one particular version so yeah so he could just go nuts it's great
0: and by the way on the age of extinction piece um i chose that sword for a reason uh-huh. and as you go through the 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 story you'll notice like he has two of those swords and then magnus has one of the swords eventually mm-hmm. and you know where what happens with optimus right and i wanted to sort of and there was a part of me when i was writing this that was thinking about the journey that age of extinction and eventually, you know, the last night Optimus went on. And by the way, I hate those movies, but there's something to be said about seeing a hero fall from grace and not noticing his own fall. Yeah. And is there something behind that? And I think it comes down to like, is that character out of character? And if it's that person's out of character, why is that? And also if we're really trying to go back to basics for a certain archetype of Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. um, how might we facilitate that change while also answering the question of what makes this Optimus special compared to other characters who befell the same fate as he did?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, the, the thing with villains too, is they're, they're the heroes of their own story. Yep. So yeah, it's, it, it it's interesting ground to, to cover. I, I, I agree with you about the movies and it's, it it is interesting though. And we talked about this a a little bit before we went live here, but when I was so salty about like, you know, name reuse and things like that, I, I was, I was also pretty, you know, salty about all of the different liberties being, being taken with the movies. But like, as I've interacted with more folks in this fandom and I think what really crystallized it was I've, now known fans that had similar experiences with transformers 2007 that i did in 1986 with transformers the movie and and hearing somebody talk about that sense of awe and wonder Mm -hmm. snapped me right out of it forever i was just like oh i understand now in a way that i didn't before because mm-hmm. you know we're we're the age that we are, and it's it's kind of hard to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. But I I needed somebody to explicitly tell me that to like oh because mm-hmm. like you know I I've slowly warmed up to the perspective of oh well you know what those movies reinvigorated the franchise in a, mm-hmm. in a big bad mainstream way and pumped. Yeah uh, mainstream success and even more important sales and dollars into it. Yeah. Um, so, so I understood it from the value, but my, my off ramp was always like, yeah, but the content isn't necessarily, <laughs> uh, for me. It's like, yeah. you know, I, I could, I could get on board conceptually. Um, yeah. but, but it is interesting though, that there are terrific concepts that are, uh not fully realized in the way that we saw play out on screen but that's uh that's what fan fiction is for and and that's something that I've learned as I've gotten to know more people in this fandom it's like i i can't not watch g1 episodes Without a uh, shippers' perspective, it, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh yeah, the, these these two characters occupy the same space for a couple scenes; they must be in love, and, you know, right. you know that kind of thing. It's like, you know, yeah. bef- before uh, you know, like twenty eighteen, I never would have thought to look at things from that perspective. But now I can't, I can't shut it off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I I enjoy Earthspark so much too, because like there's so much depth, and mm-hmm. it's like somebody with like a fan fiction point of view perspective like like i don't write thick but i i have a lot of friends that do so i i can't help but look at things from like a, a different point of view but i I'm, I'm getting getting off track there no no
0: it's, it's all on track we're we're here to talk about these robots who turn into appliances sometimes so uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. great it's great, yeah. Um, and look, you know the, and we talked about this a little bit before we went live, and there's there is something to be said about like the different perspectives that we all hold, yeah. right? The the different ways that stories evoke emotions within any of us, and the fact is that you know whatever those feelings may be, whether it's you know you know a, a revulsion of hearing you know Ironhide having you know, being a kid in Energon versus, you know, being a pickup truck in Robots in Disguise or being this rough and tumble minivan Mm -hmm. uh, in the original series, you know, those those feelings are true. And one thing that I've let go of is the sense of trying to police how people react to any sort of, of entertainment, because whether you're somebody who like feels like anything before 1986 is the only true Transformers, or you're somebody who's like, like me, Beast Wars will never be beat. Um, or, you know, you grew up with Transformers Prime, and to you, like Silas and and you know Skyquake, and, and those characters are like the best characters you've ever seen. You know, put to to the screen. You know, there's a place in time when certain things resonate with us, and oftentimes we take whatever it is that we feel and think about the hills that. We die on um, as what's well and true, and uh, anything that's separate from that is is an attack on that. But the fact is that the the perspectives and the the ways that certain pieces of art resonate with us are resonant for a reason, and so we need to hold true to that as much as possible and create this understanding that you know it's okay if someone you know doesn't believe that Transformers after a certain year was good. It's okay if someone loves everything that Michael Bay has ever done because what we consider art, like who are you to judge how we are, how art makes us feel. And I, it's something that I've learned to, because I remember just like getting into so many debates with people like on message boards, like the AllSpark and other places. And you know what? It it doesn't matter. You know, the, the, the life that we share and the, the art that we can, talk about in debate. I mean, it's art for a reason. Yeah. And it's something that we should lean into having these discussions as opposed to saying you're not allowed to like, or dislike any piece of art, regardless of who's creating it.
1: Totally. And, and it's kind of like, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a, a, um, benchmark of maturity, but it's, um, it's almost like reverse gatekeeping anymore where it's like, Oh, you like something different than what I do. Great. Come on in, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's, and you know, I mean, Transformers is such a sumptuous buffet where there's, there's something for everybody. It's like, Oh, you don't like that? Fine. Pass it by, grab something else. It's like, you don't like this, but you might like this and you'll Mm -hmm. really like this. Yeah, you know, and it's it's you know there there are a few other legacy franchises that can do the same thing for so many fans across multiple generations, and I think as folks like us that were they're basically at the beginning it's it's almost like the uh the fanboy cycle where it's like this is precious to me so mm-hmm. you can't have it this is mine this is for me and my friends but yep. as we get older and and perhaps more mature I don't know the jury's still out <laughs> on that but uh but yeah it's like i i can i can have friends that are half my age that that are into this in the same way i am how bizarre but how delightful as well it's 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 amazing
0: i am really curious what the gobot fans are going through right now yeah yeah because you know obviously transformers blew up way more than gobots ever did but you know to to the point of like liking things different there's also something to be said about liking things that no one else has right that people not very many people are able to share with you um i've maybe seen like one episode of go bots in my life Mm -hmm. um and it's because like i just never saw it as on the same level as transformers but if you're a fan of go bots freaking phenomenal if you're a fan of um the bionic six that's that's great and life is for us to be enjoyed and uh to feel whatever it is that we're feeling and let the different experiences that we feel resonate with us. However, that may show up and that's not a judgment of anyone's character. It's not a reprimand of uh, whatever it is that people feel like music is another thing. Like people often debate the merits of certain types of music. You know, I love nineties, hip hop and r and mm-hmm. uh, I can't stand a lot of the, the art that's coming out today, but I also realize I am not the target audience for that and that's okay. So, if I'm going to listen to like Wu-Tang or like, you know, Biggie or old Jay-Z and Nas or on the R&B side, Boyz to Men Jodeci, while well, I'll consider that like phenomenal music, someone who's listening to like, I don't know, like whatever new hip hop artists there are, or whatever new country artists there are. And that's fine. We can debate the merits of, of the art, but it doesn't make my opinion any more relevant than someone else's.
1: I you know what what a terrific depth of insight so much so to where I'm not sure how to segue back to talking about variant covers but 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 no that's uh, um, very cool so let's let's kind of talk about what's what's next. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, uh, Song of Jupiter is out. Descent into Chaos is available. Both of those are available now for free at the website uh, tilltheday.com with downloadable PDFs as well as uh, being able to just scroll through the uh, thumbnails of the images of the art as well. But What's what's the future of uh, of these projects? It's like because you 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 put some teases out there already, like yeah. you showed off some cool preview art, but I guess one, what is the future? But then, without kind of trying to handcuff yourself to to scheduling or what what kind of um, pace, for lack of better term, are, are you kind of looking at, like in the far flung future or like soonish? Or <laughs>
0: so I'll tell you the first thing that will be released is a companion book of a few different uh, short stories for Song of Jupiter with an amazing cover by Andrew Griffith, who did the uh, 2011 Transformers Robots in the Sky series. Mm-hmm. And then we have art by Phil. We have art by Carlos Trigo. We have Leandro. And we have a, um, another artist, uh, Guillerme, who um, comes from the same studio of uh, Paulo and uh, um, Giuliano, you know, it's a companion that takes place in the same universe as the Song of Jupiter work. Fills in a few gaps, but the idea is like similar to, I guess, how Hickman did with House of X and Powers of X. The Song of Jupiter books will be followed by this companion series, and it should be released in like a month or two. I'm just waiting for final cover colors, um, specifically colors um, from uh, Leandro's work that includes this piece of uh, art about Unicron.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So there's going to be, you know, a little bit more to come uh, <laughs> uh, in the coming months. Um, and then from there, and I'm also getting more art from Phil for his contributions. I showed you a little bit for this companion, but yeah. if I was to tease, I would say there's one fan favorite character in his story um, or a new generation of that fan favorite character, and a fan hated character from probably the worst episode of Transformers ever that I'm just looking forward to like showing the new spin on, on this character. And then from there, uh, you know, Phil and I will definitely be working on at the very minimum, the second book of Descend to chaos,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where, you know, what we really wanted to do is continue the battle for Autobot city you know, fill in some of the gaps of, because remember that, that part where it's like nighttime and then the next day is the day, and then Megatron's like, their defenses are broken.
1: Their defenses are broken. Let the slaughter begin.
0: Um, so what happened in between there, right? And sort of like a Dinobot reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how Snarl uh, came back to um, the Dinobot fold. Straxus, absolutely murdering. Um, an Autobot that you wouldn't expect to be killed. And then uh, continuing the um, adventures of Slipstream as you've never seen her. So that would be book two for Descent into Chaos, mm-hmm. um, where things get a lot worse for for the people at the Ark and at Autobot City. Um, and then for Song of Jupiter book two, the actual book two, um, it's going to continue the thread of sort of like both cliffhangers for that that series for both versions of Optimus Prime that revealed themselves at the end of that book. And so you'll see two threads, one following one version of what happened to Optimus Prime and then the other following the other version that happened to Optimus Prime and sort of a mix of past and present to start filling in more of the gaps that were were created by the first book. And I would even add that there is another character that... You know, whose fate was um, unknown, that becomes pretty known in that. Ah. The other thing I'll add is we'll see more of the crossover elements. And if you're looking for hints, in book two, um, <laughs> Spike, uh, the, the person who's revealed to be Spike, I should say, said, Oh, gosh, um, a cyclone of diamonds is uh, approaching. But then she also said something in book one that wasn't addressed or, or in the first chapter of book one that wasn't addressed in the rest of the book that will be addressed in book two. Another one of those like micro moments, I'll call it, that um, will play itself out. I don't know. I'm not being a good salesperson. Yeah, just-
1: <laughs> no, no, you know, no
0: it's what it, it is I'm, I'm not selling anything. So, right. Um, but, you know, I'm actually like really, truly excited for what we crafted for book two of Song of Jupiter because, you know, I feel like the first book was in many ways grounding, like putting the foundations of what the universe is Mm -hmm. while creating a whole ton of questions for what's this character's motivation why did this character end up in this place? And I feel like book two is where we start revealing our hand a little bit while also creating a little bit more um, intrigue and mystery and hopefully a bit of of laughter and drama um, because I wanted to make sure we added a bit more humor into into yeah. this as well so it wasn't all just doom and gloom
1: that's something that contemporary fans or even fans our age quite quite frankly forget about from time to time there 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 is a, a levity there there is a lightness on it on its feet and yeah. and some moments of outright comedy it's like mm-hmm. um you know if if you want Zack Snyder's The Transformers. Go watch that Netflix series. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. And, yeah. and and there and there are fans that want that, and and it's great that that is there for them. But mm-hmm. I would also say, in my in my uh, reformed gatekeeper voice, that you know, it's um, I don't know. Be careful for what you want. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like yeah. It, th- th- there's a perspective of. Sometimes missing the point. I mean, you know, Optimus doesn't necessarily need to be playing basketball all the time, but right. but but there there is a certain degree of levity to mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, break up the tension. I mean, that, that's just good storytelling.
0: Yeah, yeah. You need you need to be able to laugh with your characters. It's not just about the moments of darkness. I think that people often forget that even Transformers the movie, you know, which up the darkness to eleven, like. Just, Sludge had his eyes pop out. Yep. There was a character called Wheelie who spoke in rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, the, car- the creators dumbed down the Dinobots significantly so they could create those moments like, why oh, boy hit my nose? You know, like that, that didn't exist in a volume, just like Orion, uh, Orion um, Ironhide being heroic nonsense. Yeah. Um, that didn't exist in a volume either. And you know what I was hoping to create with both Descent into Chaos and Song of Jupiter is I'd say more in Descent into Chaos. There's definitely more moments of levity, like that mixture of of humor and and um, you know violence. With the Song of Jupiter, at least the first part, it was more like sort of like these micro moments, like you know when I think about um, Slash, for example, and sort of her like I'm gonna take everything on, or when they're sort of uh, ethering prowl in the um, <laughs> you know, about him being a cop or yeah. um, judging Hot Rod's dating choices, like you have to include a bit of that. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's this bar scene in um, book two where we see, you know, we're focused a little bit more into Decepticons and they're definitely having, having fun. I mean, there's one character in particular, and actually was like talking to Ant and a few other friends, like about, you know, what would be like to like have a new mayhem attack squad. Right. And let's let's put some characters in, um, both old and new, who can just like riff off each other. And what we what, what ended up drafting was like, <laughs> just thinking about like, <laughs> when I think about the whole like target master, headmaster, power master thing, and you have these organics inside these cybernetic bodies, what happens if a character forgot that, you know, their weapons happen to have humans inside them? And what would happen if you just didn't feed your gun for a while and then, you know, the characters around you realize that, you know, something smells and, yeah. you know, I don't know. There, There's just like moments like that that I think are just fun to do and you kind of have permission to do so through fan fiction that, you know, you don't have to worry as much about the powers that be saying, oh, well, I don't know if that's appropriate or not. So yeah. 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 The other thing I, I, I do want to call out is thinking about like some of the more serious themes. Um, there was this this piece around Tarn. I since I already mentioned him, I could just bring him up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For so like my characterization of Tarn as like a true freedom fighter and in in many ways uh, an uh, an author, right? As a as a fan of James Baldwin, you know, I was thinking a lot about uh, some of the writings and some of the. The talks that baldwin gave and there was a part of me that's like what if there was a transformer that ha- had all the 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 characteristics and the motivations that that helped influence baldwin's writing i'm trying to think of like a couple of quotes that i i actually wrote in the script to inform mm. karn i think one was um the most dangerous creation of any society is the man that has nothing to lose And then the second one was not everything that is faced can be changed and, but nothing that it, nothing can be changed unless it is faced. And, you know, you look at Tarn's face and not to make it like too like obvious, like his face is a Decepticon symbol. Right. But what if, you know, you had Decepticons who truly felt like they were freedom fighters in this world where the Autobots have total power over the universe. And then when I'm thinking about Tarn as a James Baldwin archetype of character, and then you run into Jazz, who oftentimes fans saw as the black guy, mm-hmm. as opposed to a character who is smooth and loves music and so happens to be, you know, Optimus's right hand man. What happens if he starts having a crisis of faith? And what happens if someone who might be of a similar identity, at least when it terms, comes to personality type um, is faced with somebody who like looks at you as someone who is siding with the oppressors, even if they come from similar backgrounds. So um, I I think that the world of the Transformers lends itself to being able to share a piece of yourself as an artist or as a writer or as whatever you are and be able to play with some character dynamics in a way that, you know, other franchises, you might not be able to do so. Yeah.
1: That's the amazing thing. One about Transformers as a concept, as a franchise, but also science fiction in general. You know, yeah. you can use science yeah. fiction to create a fantastical allegory. It's like, mm-hmm. oh well he, he's he's white on the left side. Can't can't you see? Yeah. Are you blind? <laughs> it is obvious to the most simple minded that Loki is of an inferior breed. The obvious visual evidence, Commissioner, is that he is of the same breed as yourself. Are you blind, Commander Spock? Look at me. Look at me. You're black on one side and white on the other. I am black on the right side. I failed to see the significant difference. Loki is white on the right. So all of his people are white on the right side. You know, yeah, yeah. you can have those those uh, sometimes subtle and not so subtle uh, analogies and allegories. Um, mm-hmm. but with transformers, you can take it that much further. Because mm-hmm. they're shape-changing ancient robots. So yeah. you, you can have conversations about uh, diversity and gender mm-hmm. and race and and class and, yep. and all of those different dynamics that you might not be able to get away with in kind of uh, 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 traditional mainstream fiction. Like, right. like, like Transformers right. is at its best when it's a science fiction concept.
0: Absolutely. I, I look at what James Roberts did. Um, and gosh, like that man did so much for folks of, you know, diverse genders or those who don't are non-binary and gave it a Transformers face and name to it. And it was beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was beautiful. And were I ever, ever able to have the privilege of you know doing the same thing officially I would love that but until that day I'll just add my own spin to it with uh whatever fan comics I happen to have the privilege to create with with some really great really great folks
1: well terrific stuff well uh Hooks this has been an absolute pleasure um it, it was it was great getting to meet with you it was uh, great chatting with you I sincerely hope this is not the last time that we have the opportunity to do a show together it's it's I'm sure it will be Certainly, certainly a long time coming. Like, uh, you know, Ant messaged me, he's like, about time, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome,
0: awesome. Thank you you for, for, um, you know, inviting me to the show. Thank you for this conversation. And, uh, you know, just looking forward to more. Um, I'm very excited if we're just talking about official stuff, you know, Rise of the Beast this summer is coming. So maybe we could have a conversation with a few folks around that, Um, hoping it's good. Uh, you know, Earthspark is obviously uh, you know coming back in March, and you know there's still this question mark about publisher, and right. so let's see what happens, right? Let's see, and um, and if we have the opportunity to continue to continue creating these these fan comics that people are enjoying, then um, I'm more than happy to continue to to create. Until um, my bank account is dry, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is this is great, Mike, and I, I really appreciate the, the conversation. It was, it was phenomenal.
1: Absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much, and 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 you're welcome. Uh, two quick things before uh, before we uh, uh, get ready to sign off. I missed this in chat like an hour or so ago. <laughs> uh, my, my my buddy Nick asked, "Does James own any of the Transformers action figures, uh, third party figures? Figures? Question mark. What? Uh, what? What's in Hooks' collection?
0: Oh my God! So um, I can't show you right now, but I have like at least a thousand Transformers. Okay. Um, I will say I I am mostly opposed to third party figures, primarily because you know there's some moral thing that just feels kind of weird about purchasing third party. With one exception, mm. so Beast Wars Megatron is my favorite character in the franchise, and it has been the biggest regret that there has not been a single official trans metal megatron figure ever produced. Right. And so when I saw that there is this um I don't remember the name of the the third party company. Sure. It was uh gosh, let me see. Um
1: yeah, unfortunately I can't help you. I'm not uh my my judo is weak uh, with yeah, with regards to so thirst three P. Yeah.
0: Trans Art. Trans art. Okay. So, I saw this trans art, uh, basically a masterpiece version of Transmetal Megatron that was like ripped from the screen. I'm like, you know, it's screw morals, screw whatever like feelings of obligation I have to, you know, the legalities of IP theft. I'm going to have that baby. Yeah. And that baby is in my collection. And it's like the, until there's an official masterpiece Megatron, um, masterpiece Transmetal Megatron. Um, that will continue to be the centerpiece of, of my, my collection. So I love it.
1: I yeah. love it. You, uh, you write fan fiction yourself. Um, uh, are, are there, are there any other projects that you're interested in that you like, you're, you're just like a fan of or, or, uh, follow?
0: Um, gosh, um, I don't know. I like, honestly, I, I feel like I'm getting to the age of like, I consume content and, um, yeah. You know, there's so much content out there, and I hate calling shows and books and, and movies content, but I feel like that's what we call everything these days. Um, I am a huge, like, I'm a comic fan. Um, Saga is, like, a book that I've been, you know, reading for years that I just, every time there's a new issue, I immediately read it. You know, that's that's something I'll always follow. I'm a fan of uh, Jonathan Hickman's work, and I, I subscribe to his, um, his sub stack. Nice. Uh, gosh, um, like Marvel's done phenomenal work on screen. So, you know, next weekend, the new Ant-Man movie will come out and I'm hoping that we start seeing a little bit more creativity with stuff that the MCU is producing. Yeah. So I feel like the, the last phase, while it wasn't bad, it just felt in some ways by the numbers. Yeah. There's so many, so many good shows out like Severance, um, Succession, mm-hmm. uh, Last of Us is phenomenal. Star Trek, uh, Strange New Worlds was great. I'm an old school Star yeah. Trek fan, but I kind of lapsed for a number of years. And then when Strange New Worlds came out, I heard great feedback. I decided to watch it. I'm like, I'm a trekker again. Yeah. So
1: I I literally <laughs> changed my hairstyle to to be more Anson Mount. I mean, it's like it, it's. It, I mean, I, it, I've been working all day, so it's kind of decreased a little bit. But yeah, it's like yeah, I I, yeah. I went. I went I went full floof there for for a while nice. there. It's like, yeah, what what a terrific ensemble and and, uh, and yeah. again it gets yeah. back to what Star Trek is supposed to be. All that stuff we were talking about earlier about you know um, organic diversity and inclusion yeah. and and yeah. allegory and just like oh my god it's I mean it's terrific. It is the top. You know, we talked earlier a little bit about like you know, kind of like gatekeeping fans and stuff. It's like, oh man, this, here's where Star Trek went woke, and it's like, the fuck are you it, talking about? Kind of first, where were you first in 1966?
0: So in the world, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Like, come on, like, like, just I don't know, like, oh, so dumb. I, I try not to get involved in any of those, yeah. like, new, like very like the thing is political debates used to actually have some substance and i felt like if you could have a disagreement it was about things like i don't know like taxes and capital gains and like whatever but now it's this quite frankly pretty stupid argument over semantics and things that were quite frankly settled in the social sphere decades ago that now people are starting to bring up because they're looking to be as edgy as possible. And yeah. I'm sorry, but people who are of the same gender or of different races who happen to fall in love, that's not going woke. That's that's just two humans who happen to enjoy Joe's company. And that is the most human thing that we can enjoy and appreciate. And if you're if you don't believe that people should belong or should be a part of whatever tribe that they choose to be, then You know you're not someone that i want to associate myself with yeah
1: yeah it's uh you know it's it's enjoy things you know what i mean it's it 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 is that 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 overarching philosophy of you know don't be a gatekeeper in in all uh phases of life and just let people be and let people enjoy things enjoy things you know
0: absolutely absolutely
1: so the last question that that i ask every guest that I have on the show specifically on, on their first time is, you know, I, I, I talk to a number of different creators, you know, musicians, podcasters, comic mm-hmm. artists, um, you name it. And I always ask folks what advice they would have for people looking to pursue their own creative interests. So yeah. like if, if somebody like has an interest in doing like a transformers fan comic, you know, what, uh, I mean, you don't have to answer specifically to that, but like, (laughs) but like, uh, yeah, just uh, advice for the kiddos as uh, as we uh, close out here.
0: So uh, I'll just share a bit of advice, you know, taking from a page of cup, you know, when I was younger, you know, in one of my first roles as as a people manager. So like I work in tech and, you know, I am someone who, you know, focuses really on helping to build leaders, support folks in their careers, helping to. Get them unstuck from whatever it is that is is challenging them. And I remember being a, a fairly junior manager in my career. Who, you know, I, I got the feedback that no one wants to follow a robot. And we're not talking about transformers. We're talking about like, you know, someone who is so masked, so worried about what their appearance is that they are not authentic and they are not true. And, you know, you and I talked about this before the, the show yeah. around this, this notion of there's no one else that can be us, but us. So why hide the true you? Yeah. You know, why not be fully authentic and lean into the things that you love and that you enjoy and that you just get so much energy from? And, you know, the one thing I've never hid was my, my love of Transformers, um, I, I am someone who loves deeply and, and, you know, sort of like wears my heart on my sleeve. But also there was like a moment uh, in my career and in my life where I felt like I had to be two different people. I had to be somebody at the office and somebody different with my friends. But we are not separate people, right? We are human beings that, you know, with full emotions and full feelings that we are, are meant to really lean into. And so if there's something that you enjoy doing, if there, if there's like you want to learn how to play a guitar or you have been holding back your voice from singing because you are worried about how others may perceive that or you had this idea for a crazy transformer story and uh, you allow yourself to partner with some incredible people to to produce it, put it out there because you never know who's going to be become a fan of yours and um, become somebody who appreciates you giving voice to those who may not have the, 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 the privilege of being able to be voiced yeah. um, and have their voices heard. And so um, I would just say that I, you don't want to live uh, you know, in the future feeling regret for things you weren't able to produce in the past. Yeah
1: i i love it brilliant wisdom thank you so much i i i i really enjoy chatting with you i mean i just i i just uh, i i really dig the the uh depth of wisdom the uh the project is transformers Descent Into Chaos and Transformers Songs of Jupiter. Both of those comics are available for free for download and viewing on the website tilltheday.com. We have been chatting with uh, the author and and uh, a mastermind behind the project, uh, James Hooks. Thank you uh, so much for joining us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for uh, exploring the madness together
1: <laughs> as our, into our <laughs> descent into madness.
0: Descent, the songs of madness.
1: There it is. Oh, there it is. Trinity. There it is. There's the mashup. Now, yep. if, uh, if folks wanted to find you on the internet and connect with you's out on uh, social medias, how would folks do so?
0: Yeah, I would say um, Twitter is the best one. The thing I barely use anymore because of the craziness. Um, so H triple on Twitter and if you want to follow my career, I guess, uh, LinkedIn, uh, HXPHD, but like we're going to do like post something about Simon Sinek or Brene Brown and here's a YouTube channel and, you know, here's something inspirational or, you know, whatever. So um, outside of that, no, um, that, that's me. And um, outside of that, just, I guess, stick to tilltheday.com and look for more from us
1: perfect all right well we will leave it there for now uh that will wrap things up for this episode thank you so much for uh listening and watching and hanging out with us if you want to listen to my podcast mike cyber radio you can subscribe on apple podcast stitcher google podcast spotify tune in wherever the hell else you listen to your podcast like share rate and review the show let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future and subscribe so you never miss an episode for my guest the one and only hooks my name is mike this has been mike cyber radio and until next time tell all our one make tell a choices. All,
0: are tell one. all
1: are one make a choices yes all right now let's end the broadcast Mike Cyber Radio is recorded in Seattle, Washington. Our original theme song is written and performed by Lucia Fasano. Get her music on all streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, including her groovy new single, Habitable Planets. Check out her Instagram at Lucia underscore Fasano. Our closing theme is a nice place to visit by these young fools used with permission from Michael Geisler. Check out Michael's website, bytormusic.com. Special thanks to Andy Lita for our logos and graphic design. He is at gogoandyrobo out on Twitter. Become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP Friends and Fans Facebook group. And you can follow me on social media at MikeSybert Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Wanna be a guest on the show? Send me an email, MikeSybertradio at gmail.com.